ladies and gentlemen, the next United States Heavyweight Champion, Ravaging Rick Rude! There's nothing in my dreams, just some ugly memories. Please welcome the newest members of the Dangerous Alliance, I'm Anderson and Larry Zabisco! Real be my lover, I will see you insane. The world's greatest athlete and newest member of the Dangerous Alliance, the world's TV champion, stunning Steve Austin! Nothing left alive but a pair of Welcome one of Sting's best friends and a little stinger himself. Ladies and gentlemen, beautiful Bobby Beaton! It's not an army, it's not a stable, and it's not a family. It's an alliance of businessmen who will bring WCW down to its knees. North-South Connection, welcome to episode number eight of the Seven Months of Danger. I am your host, Sean Kidd, and this episode we are covering the week of December 21st, 1991 through December 28th. Uh, that will lead us to the night before Starcade, which will be our next episode. So a lot of stuff happens in this night's episode to lead us into that. Before I get started, let me introduce my three co-hosts for the evening. Matt Souza, how are you tonight? Uh, I'm doing great, but I, I'm a doing uh, especially well because I understand that there's no free birds on this episode. So that makes me very excited. Uh, that might be a first or it's only the second time that's happened. So it, right. we, we will celebrate. We will celebrate no free bird. We will be free bird free because Starcade, our very first match that we watched, will have the free bird. So it'll be good to have. A oh, good. Bird. Yes, it'll be good to have the free bird freedom tonight. Uh, Scott Shiflett, how are you? I'm doing great. Um, th- this is going to be an excellent podcast tonight because you have everyone here and it's glorious or dangerous. <laughs> um, have you recovered from uh, last episode's plugs? Impossible question to answer. <laughs> we will not. We will not be doing plugs tonight to Doesn't protect sound Scott. Like it. <laughs> we will. We will. We will. We will protect. We will not be doing plugs to protect Scott Shiflet for this episode tonight. We need to. Pre- we need to protect Scott Shiflet's brain at all costs. We, we will protect Scott Shiflet for this evening. Scott, welcome. It's always a pleasure to have you. And last but not least, Logan Crossland. How are you? Uh, I'm doing fantastic, Sean. Glad to be here. Glad to talk some more Dangerous Alliance with you guys. Absolutely. So we're going to jump right into it. And there are no top 10. There is no top 10 tonight, but we will call off the champions and then we'll jump right into the Meltzer notes. Our champions, uh, world champion is still Lex Luger. Our U.S. champion is still Rick Rude. Our tag team champions are still Steamboat and Rhodes. Our TV champion is uh, still Sunny Steve Austin. And we have a lot of him tonight. Uh, Our U.S. tag team champions, we have a change finally. It is the Young Pistols. So uh, we would think that the Patriots will be gone. Unfortunately, we will see uh, tonight. That is not true, as we will see one member of them wrestle tonight. And our light heavyweight champion is Flying Brian Pillman. So we will go straight to our Meltzer notes. Uh, these were So these were written on December the 23rd. Tom Zink will miss the January New Japan tour with a neck injury. Um, I am sure Japan is very sad about that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, some disenchantment over clauses in the new contracts regarding injuries. Old contracts had the wrestlers paid while injured. The new contracts being offered only pay the wrestlers for the first two months of the injury. Considering the hard-hitting style this group uh, professes to want, injuries are inevitable, both minor ones and serious ones. At the same time, I'm sure management wasn't exactly thrilled ever since Justice taking time off from wrestling, playing softball, and recovering from his punctured lung. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great line by Meltzer, by the way. I thought that was pretty good. Um, Yeah, pretty shitty that if you get injured in the ring, you only get two months of pay. That seems pretty shitty, but... Mm -hmm. um, Moving on, TV ratings are staying strong as the December 7th WCW show drew 3.3 rating with the Rhodes Eaton, Liger Benoit, and eight-man tag matches um, doing well. And a main event did a 2.4 and Power Hour a 2.0. So really, really strong ratings for this time. I mean, today, uh, wrestling shows would kill to have those kind of ratings. So uh, good for them. Nearly everyone in wrestling I've talked to um, pretty with uh, pretty much reads this all the same way, that they are showing some good action. Wrestling every Saturday on television is entertaining to watch. Although it is really building to nothing, which is why they really don't have hot feuds, but they do have a lot of good action on television. Uh, we did kind of talk about that on the last episode where it seemed like a lot of matches. Um, and it seemed like our last match that we watched on the last episode built to something, but everything else was kind of just like filling the hole. All right, here we go. Patriots and Pistols tag title change was pretty bad. Oh, they you don't mixed- say. <laughs> <laughs> they mixed up signals because on Saturday, they talked about the title changes having already take place. And the rematch would be on Sunday, but the bout that aired on Sunday was the title change. WCW, everybody. In addition, on the same Sunday show, they aired a match from a long time ago where PM News took on uh, Mr. Hughes, where Steve Armstrong was a news quarter as a babyface, even though he's a heel as the U.S. Tag Team Champion. No explanation was made, and I'm not sure any explanation would have done anything but call attention to how silly the whole thing looked. Um, And uh, my final note, December 10th to December 14th was the London tour. One note on the first show there was Jimmy Garvin beat Steve Regal, a British wrestler, not the American wrestler, the same name, and the Freebirds can continue to kindly fuck off. Susa, anything on any of these notes before we jump into our first match? Uh, yes, like I mentioned, uh, weird that the uh, the Patriots Pistols tag title change was pretty bad i you know i was expecting that match to be like you know five stars but uh weird that it was uh pretty bad that's 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 shocking and uh i, I do think it's interesting that even <laughs> dave uh mentioned that uh yeah you know they they have a lot of good action on tv but boy do their storylines fucking suck so i thought that was interesting that even he made mention of that so it's not just us you guys any thought on uh jimmy garvin 1991 beating steve regal in london I mean, I I will say I do kind of get it just because it's a WCW promoted show. Jimmy Garvin's a WCW guy. And at the time, Steve Regal was probably just a guy they brought in as enhancement talent, even though he was, you know, British hometown. Like he wasn't signed by WCW or anything yet. So, I mean, it's ridiculous when you look at it on paper, but I do kind of understand it. All right. Logan, any thoughts on the Meltzer notes? Yeah, the Patriots pistols being bad is the least shocking thing in the history of things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm I'm devastated that Tom Zing won't be able to make it to Japan. Uh, that 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 hit me real hard. Uh, I love the savage line against uh, Sid uh, talking about the bet softball and the punctured lung and all that. 
Um, he may change his tune on the matches being good on TV uh, after this next step, or these <laughs> matches that we're going to go through tonight. So, um, but, uh, and it's weird. It, it, it's crazy to think that Steve Regal was already losing to Jimmy Carvin at this point. So uh, I don't agree with that in the long run, but I guess I get it at this point. All right. And Schiff. It's amazing that WCW at the time owned by Ted Turner, who has TBS and CNN, could always make these mistakes where stuff is being shown out of order. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff just doesn't air, and then they allude to it, and it's and this continues all through WCW's run, like to to the very end. So it's not like it's you know a run of the mill thing, and it's just embarrassing. Um, the London tour. I mean, Steve Regal was just added as a local guy. I mean, it was probably just like like a, you know, oh, it's a Nashville thing, and they have some Nashville indie wrestler here, and he gets jobbed out. That's probably all it was. It it is very cool to see in hindsight because uh, Regal would be joining WCW, I want to say, in in, uh, 93. So Mm -hmm. just just a nice little, little, oh, like, you know, when you would see heat matches and CM Punk would show up or some guy named John Moxley. So two of Logan's face. Um, but it's um, it's just very cool, and it's weird that there's been zero updates on Starcade with it happening literally within a couple of days. Yeah, so, literally we're a week from Starcade, and not one mention of it in Meltzer's twelve twenty three update. So that tells you how weird it's it's, a, it's almost like Battle Bowl nineteen ninety one is completely meaningless and is of no use to anyone. Uh, except for one person on this show tonight, who I think is that your favorite pay per view shift. Yeah, it's my favorite WCW pay-per-view. It, and I think uh, Colin McDougal, uh, my co-host on Crock and Roll, I think it's one of his favorite pay-per-views of all time, too. So, I'm sure, uh, Souza, I'm sure you look forward to talking about it on our next episode. Oh, absolutely. And we'll be joined by Jacob Williams, so uh, we'll have an all-star cast uh, for that episode. But that's next That's next episode. Let's jump in to 12-21-91 weekend. And our do first match... Yes, we do, because... I, we talked about stories. I think tonight's episode is going to tell a pretty strong story on one stunning Steve Austin, unfortunately. Probably not for the best. So we're going to jump into our first Austin match. It is from uh, WCW Pro. It is Austin taking on Big Josh. Um, I think it starts with the match. So the match starts in the ring. Josh gets an airplane, 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 airplane spin, some stiff punches, log roll on the chest, and Austin rolls outside as Paul screams timeout. Josh does a backdrop, backdrop, a body slam back in the ring. Austin gets control, raking face across ropes and gets a suplex. Josh gets a double ox handle off the ropes. Josh chases Paul around the ring, back in, uh, does a shoulder block to the abdomen in the corner. But Austin takes him down, puts foot on the ropes to score the three. This is only four minutes. It was okay. I do like how stiff Josh is with his punches, and he goes all in on embracing that lumberjack gimmick. But nothing great here in short. I just went one and a half. Nothing spectacular here. Austin gets to win, but again, Austin has to cheat to beat Big Fucking Josh. And Logan, I will go to you first. What do you think of this? Uh, my first note is, hey, look at that. Austin actually got offense to start the match. And then my second note follows with, oh, never mind. Got ahead of myself. <laughs> um, it was finally nice to see Austin actually be on the offensive for more than half the match. Unfortunately, this was only a four minute match, so that didn't really mean too much. Uh, and I still hate that he can't win one match without cheating. So uh, I only went one. 
but I mean, it was, you know, it was four minutes, so it wasn't anything that you could really deep dive into. So, um, yeah, not, not much here. What did you go on a score? One. Only one. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Susta. Uh, this sure was a match that happened. Uh, there really wasn't much here. It was like three, four minutes long. Uh, the booking for Austin continues to be just super strange. I thought Josh really dominated it. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't understand. I still don't understand uh, Austin's booking. It's ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, star and a half. Okay. Uh, and Schiff. I, I didn't really enjoy this match. Thankfully, it was just, uh, like you guys said, four minutes. Um, Paulie had to call a timeout, which I which I really enjoy with JR, uh, who are the announcer saying, there's no timeouts in wrestling. Um, I went three quarters of a star. I did like the log. Wow. Roll, but, but, yeah, like... <laughs> <laughs> I can't figure since ratings out. I just life. wasn't really feeling this match at all, which it sucks because last episode I talked how much I liked Big Josh, but I guess it was like the Austin thing in tag teams right now where, you know, their negatives are being shown in or, you know, hidden tag teams. Hey, Shift, do you need a Red Bull? No, I'm good. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Sound a little tired talking about that match. I just wanted to check. Well, that that's what the match <laughs> does. And there's another match that's I'm probably just gonna sleep through the whole time that's coming right. up later on. All right, all right, you brought the you. Back. you brought that energy back on that. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> all right, we're gonna, go to our, we're gonna go to our second match. This is one point one nine. All right, thank you. One point one nine. We're going to our second match. God damn it! Here we go again. Uh, mm. We're going w, WCW Pro. It's a six-man match, which this one really has potential. It's Ricky Steamboat, Dustin Rhodes, Brian Pillman taking on the Enforcers and Eaton. Um, I said, now we're talking on paper. Uh, two Austin T's of three here, with the exception of Larry Zabisco. <laughs> also um, has three champions on the face team. Tony references a rude sting altercation, which we will discuss shortly uh, from Saturday night when we get to Saturday night. Larry misses a drop kick. Then Brian gets a drop kick on him and drop kicks Arn and Bobby off the apron. Steamboat in, and then Larry groans uh, groans a lot. Uh, Matt, could you do the Larry groan for me, please? <laughs> All right. Steamboat shots off. He may truly be the best athlete ever to compete in WCW. Uh, Barbie's Bobby, Barbie, Bobby's arm drag out of the ring and screams, son of a bitch, very loudly. Did you guys catch that when he did that? Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. I, was, okay. I was shocked because we talked about last episode where uh, Steamboat – called medusa a witch and like jr was quick to be like he said he said witch he didn't say the other thing and they just let this go and <laughs> yeah, i'm like what's totally, the hell is going on uh Susa, could you cosplay bobby saying son of a bitch <laughs> hey, son of a bitch all right that was was that sabisco or bobby oh bobby i thought you said <laughs> one. La- I, th- I heard larry is what i heard. i might have said larry could you do bobby no he <laughs> said bobby all right that's right Arn comes in and does a sarcastic karate bow, which I thought was awesome. He gets thrown in the face corner and beat up by Pillman and Dustin while Ricky beats up the other two heels. Arn slaps Dustin and Dustin tags in. Dustin rams his head into the turnbuckle multiple times. Dustin gets hit as he goes to the top rope, but blocks an Arn superplex and hits a top rope clothesline, which is really good. Larry comes in and gets beat up and yells a lot and all six in the ring. And Bobby gets left in the ro- alone in the ring and beat up um, as all the heels bail. Back in ring, uh, Larry sends Dustin outside, hits a suplex when he comes back in. Arn nails Dustin with a clothesline outside. Alliance takes turns beating up Dustin. Bobby is very vocal, by the way, um, talking a ton of shit. So it wasn't just a son of a bitch, but he's talking shit the whole time. 
Uh, Bobby misses a charge to the corner and rocks himself. Uh, Larry runs in, but Dustin pulls the rope down. And Larry goes outside of the ring like freaking Keystone Cop. That motherfucker just tumbles out of the ring. Uh, and then Dustin tags in Brian. Brian drop kicks Bobby off the top rope. And he and Steve-O beat up Arn and Larry. Brian goes up top. Um, does a body uh, body press to Arn. Uh, ref is busy with Steamboat. Bobby goes up top. Alabama jam to Brian and Arn pins for the three. Wyndham comes in and clears the ring. He hits all the heels with his cast outside the ring. Um, I think they've done a really nice job uh, getting face shine on Wyndham over the last two episodes as he prepares to come back to the ring. I really like this one, guys, and I'm starting to see more balance and alliance being great heels and matches versus just taking all the offense. So this is twice I thought they've done that now in the last two matches we want. I'm sorry. Last match on the last episode, and now this one. I also have to say, for me, Bobby particularly becomes even more and more impressive, and I love him when he's in the ring. And the fact that he's so vocal in this one made it even better for me. I went three and a quarters on this. Logan, what did you what did you think about this? Uh, yeah, I went three. I really enjoyed it as well. Um, I, I think this is another case of Pillman being awesome. Uh, yeah, so, what's uh, good too? But but Eden and the Eden and the Alliance put pulled there in uh, on this one as well. Um, Pillman's just so good. Uh, I love that goofball Larry was stuck in the ring with all the fast guys that there was no chance he could hang with at all. So he's just stumbling around going, rah, rah, you know, he's getting his butt kicked and just being Larry super is so bad, by the way, guys. He's so bad. Just mm. bad. You don't say. Yeah. He's hey, bad. hey, you can actually give him the award because he's on this episode. So um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, unfortunately, um, I think something else will overtake that. But Chip will probably. Yeah. Yeah, that's but true. anyway, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I love that Anderson kind of gets when he gets in the ring, he gets sent to the uh, face corner, and they just start teeing off on him. Uh, Rhodes and Billman do. Um, I uh, there was another point when Anderson kind of stopped short of the turnbuckle, and he thinks he really pulled one over on Dustin, but Dustin's right behind him, and then ramps his head into all three turnbuckles. I thought that was awesome. Um, I love the way that Larry kind of starts to gain the advantage, uh, and he he just happens to fall out of the way as uh, Dustin is kind of uh, coming towards him, and he kind of pushes Dustin to the outside. I love that that's the way that he gets the advantage for his team. Uh, he just kind of falls. Um, but Good Hill working over, I thought they did a really good job working over Dustin throughout the match. And I also loved uh, Eaton and Arn just kept slapping Rhodes and kind of pissing mm -hmm. him off. I really like mm -hmm. that. Um, but Pillman's just an awesome hot tag. Uh, he comes in towards the end um, and just starts teeing off on everybody. Um, and new new uh, shit ref, uh, Mike Adkins, of, of my uh, power <laughs> rankings of terrible refs, uh, of course loses complete control of this match, and it leads to the uh, Alabama Jam and the sneak win. So kind of kind of hate again that they have to sneak win, but I do love seeing the Alabama Jam. So uh, I went three on it. All right. Schiff. Uh, yeah, I went three and a quarter. I really thought this was a, a banger of a match. I loved, um, like you said, Arn bowing to Ricky when he came in. Like, I, it was just something so stupid, but it was like, yeah, go to hell. Um, <laughs> I also loved at the very beginning when Larry and Brian started off and Larry missed a dropkick and then Brian showed him <laughs> how it was done and hit one on him. I, like, Larry sucks. Um, but uh, <laughs> he, he really is. If, it, if, he, if he didn't have those verbal cues, he would be the like worst ever. He's so bad. <laughs> and I, I loved uh, Dustin hitting that lariat from the top. That that was awesome. Like that shows, like you know, I know um, he's still very early in his career, but it shows that this man has it. And it, it, I think if he would have stayed with WCW, he definitely would have won a, won a world title. Now I 
don't know like if he stays that means hogan probably doesn't cut like if and it's if hogan doesn't come in as well so that's like a big what if and like you know toby stubb probably died in 97 but that's neither here nor there um i also love when bobby was like hitting dustin he kept saying come on big boy which yes. made me laugh um <laughs> And then we get uh before it all breaks down, like Steamboat hit a beautiful Enziguri on Arn, and it was just every everything Steamboat does is just so smooth in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bobby coming off top row with Alabama Jam, like it's like the second or third time we've seen that ending where like in the you know the face has him pinned and he does it, but every time I'm like this is still great. So like it probably wasn't great for Bobby long term doing the Alabama Jam, but I definitely loved it in the moment. That's why that's why I went three and eight, three and four. Yeah, I never get tired of that finisher. I the Alabama Jam, the way he does it is so fucking impressive. I never get sick of that finish ever. I don't I, know what it is, but a top low, top rope leg drop is one of my favorite finishers of all. I time. mean, just think about how savage that has to be on your body and the fact the way he executes. Mm-hmm. And by the way, like even like in eighty six, in eighty five when he was doing it, he wasn't exactly the most in shape wrestler in the world. Mm-hmm. He had this big, huge beer gut. Here he's a little more fit, but he's he's been impressed. I mean, he's been doing this move for years. At this point, he's been doing this move seven years. He's been doing that Alabama Jam at this point. So imagine the wreckage. And Hogan, imagine Hogan just dropping that leg drop on the map at that top rope, like you said, Logan. That's a fucking savage ass finisher. It's awesome. All right, uh, Susan, what do you think? Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. I thought this was great. Uh, I went three and a quarter on this too. This is the stuff I thought we were going to see all throughout this entire podcast was, you know, just great six man tags and tags like this, like matches like this is what I was expecting. Like just go in there for 10 minutes. It's super heated. Everybody gets their shit in. Everybody beats the shit out of each other. The crowd is molten hot. Like this is what I was expecting. Uh, Bobby Eaton and Ricky Steamboat, as it turns out, have great chemistry with one another. And you saw saw more of it here. Uh, at one point, Steamboat tags in. And then Larry tags uh, tags out almost immediately because let's be real, there's no way he's going to be able to keep up with Steamboat. So I thought that was great. Yeah, just a fantastic match. I thought the hot tag to Pillman was great. The by the time the match ends, it's just complete chaos, and I loved every second of it. So yeah, and I like that it was you know it was quick. It didn't overstay its welcome. Everybody got their shit in, get in, get out. So yeah. Fun stuff here, and for uh for pro, this is a hell of a match. So three and a quarter. Yeah, go out of your way and see this one for sure. Um, it's on YouTube, so really, really good. And um, one thing I do want to, uh, Logan, thank you for bringing it up because I feel like I've undersold him a little bit. Pillman has been really, really good in everything we've watched with him as well. It doesn't matter who his partners mm-hmm. are, he has been good in everything. So um, just to give a shout out to Pillman because he's definitely really, really good in these matches we're watching with him. So. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to bump myself to three and a quarter, which would make the match total of three and a quarter. So. Yeah, this is a really great, to Matt's point, really, really great fun six man and what you would want out of this podcast. Unfortunately, our next match will not be. Um, <laughs> we, are, uh, we are going to worldwide wrestling to the same weekend. It is stunning Steve Austin with his second TV title defense uh, of the weekend, taking on former U.S. tag team champion, Todd fucking champion. Uh, so the first note I made is, good God, it says 10 minutes on the video. Because <laughs> I paused it. <laughs> Todd champion is out in his great value G.I. Joe gear. Uh, this time, Medusa is dressed like she just came out of a Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Band video shoot. <laughs> Tony is trying to convince us Todd is a great singles wrestler. Because, guys, did you know you have to be a really good uh, singles wrestler to be a good tag team wrestler? Were you aware of that? I, I was not aware. 
I did. Tony's that. Tony's educating the so masses. Tony, thank you doing. for the fucking education. Todd does arm limb work with his legs. Uh, that Austin tries to reverse into pins, but looks fucking stupid. Austin dropped to a hold, but Todd back to the arm with a hammerlock as Tony sells Starcade. Austin goes for a backslide, but Todd reverses it for two and right back to the fucking arm. Uh, Tony says Chip and Todd have been looked have looked very sharp in singles competition. There's a sixth spot, which is the spot of the match where Medusa distracts the ref, and Austin leaps in the middle of the top rope and flips and flips him and Champion outside, which really looked like a brutal fall. Um, I thought that was a really great visual spot, but I think it was botched. So that's probably the only reason why it looked good because they wouldn't be doing this on purpose because Todd Champion fucking sucks. Austin takes control with a uh, fucking chin lock recliner. Uh, this match is ass, except for the over-the-top <laughs> rope spot. Todd powers out and falls back on Austin. There's a clothesline headbutt, flying elbow, and a cover. Medusa up to distract. Bobby into attack, but Todd fights him off, uh, but takes uh, takes both men out. Austin is... Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Bobby into attack, but Todd fights him off, but this allows Austin to roll him up with a simple fucking roll up with the tights for three. Fuck this match. They beat up Todd in run Steamboat and takes out both. Austin has been made to look so weak as a champion. Again, interference to beat fucking Todd champion. Out of all the alliance, he's the one that needs more shine. He should not be doing double, need double interference to beat this motherfucker. And he looks bad on the offense, except for the cool spot out of the, uh, where he tumbled out of the ring, which I think was botched. This match made me fucking angry. Guys, I went a dud, flat dud on this motherfucking match. Shift, what did you give it? Uh, it fucking sucks. That's that's what it is. It, 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 uh, have him as Todd Stolen Valor champion when he comes out. Uh, the, ma <laughs> the match was just boring. Like, like you talking about it, Sean, made it sound like it was a kind of exciting match. Oh, that, no, that's well, all the one. See, that's so, what like, I do. I have to sell the match, even though it's fucking ass. Yeah, so, this yeah. this match was terrible. I have a note here, like Todd Champion sucks. Todd Champion working a hammerlock. Todd's still working the arm. <laughs> they went outside for some reason. I don't know. Austin puts Camel Clutch on top. Can this match end? I keep clicking to see how long time is left. Still in Camel Clutch. Todd powers out and falls back on Austin. He had a decent flying elbow hit at the end, and then like Austin can't even beat Todd Champion, like because Medusa has to distract the ref and Eaton has to run in. That's a dud as well. Like the only thing I liked was Steamboat running at the end, but I can't rate that. So yeah, dud. Dud, 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 dud. You didn't like the tumble out of the ring that it looked botched where they looked like they almost killed themselves? I thought that was pretty good. No, because I missed that part and didn't care to go back. I just like, oh, I, don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. They're out of the ring. I, I'm like, I don't know what happened. I could rewind 10 seconds, but I'm not. <laughs> Logan? Good God. I'm going to save my rating because I want to hear what Matt says, um, but I'll, I'll go through my notes. Um, Logan, I, if you don't, no, Logan, if you don't, if you do anything beyond a dud and don't make this the worst match we have ever watched, I'm going to be highly upset. That's why I'm going to wait to see what Matt says. God damn it. All right. Go um, ahead. Medusa looked like a cruise ship captain to me. That was my thought El, for her. El Capitan. Mm-hmm. Uh, rest hold mania is running wild. And this one just headlock after arm lock after headlock, uh, Gross landing on that over-the-top move, whatever it was supposed to be. I don't really know what it was supposed to be. Um, at some point, uh, Medusa is looking at Todd Champion and calls him ugly. I said that was laughable. Um, and Austin looks like an absolute loser again. So, Matt, uh, what are your thoughts on the match? What would you go? Uh, 
well, you see, first of all, what I what I did is uh, combined what uh, Sean said about Medusa and what Logan said about Medusa, and I said that she looks like the boat captain on a Sergeant Pepper cruise. So we have nice. looped all, we've looped there, all the way around. Uh, uh, Todd Champion looks like bleach blonde Christian Slater on steroids. Uh, it, it took me this long to realize it, but uh, he also looks like the worst American gladiator of all time. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it's this is very bad. Uh, hey, Matt, quite... I just had a thought. What about Great Value Iceman from Top Gun? Oh, I could see it. Uh, I mean, right, the sorry. most like that's more like I think that hits like government cheese level. But, you know, that's, <laughs> that's fine. That's... I'll go with government cheese Iceman. That's fine. <laughs> uh, God, this absolutely sucks. Uh, th- there's one point where Austin attempts uh, in quotes, attempts to hit a uh, gut wrench suplex on Champion, but Champion just fucking sandbags him, and he Austin just drops him at one point. Uh, there's a chin lock that Austin has locked on that lasted 127 hours, which is fitting because I'd lop my arm off if it meant that this match could end. Uh, Tony doing his best on commentary to sell that was this. Very pilot. good, Susan. Thank you, Chef. Uh, someone respects my art. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tony doing his best on commentary to sell this pile of suck and yet again we have another distraction finish uh with austin needing help uh, to beat todd champion not only needing help he also needs help to beat todd champion and then he has to hold the tights on a roll-up uh yes this is uh for me uh, the worst match that i have seen for this podcast now i will say i originally went half a star on this for the bump to the outside but you gentlemen have sold me on going dud, so I am going dud. This match fucking sucks. Do not watch this unless you hate yourself. No, watch it for the botch over the top rope. That's the only reason. And that was a botch. That was not done on purpose. That's no, I don't, I don't, yeah, I just think it, they, they fucked up royally. What, what Matt Ted, said. I, I Ted, originally Ted went Ted half fuck, star, Ted but I'll go to dud. Ted fucking minutes this match. Right. That's the other thing, too, is this fucker was long. Yeah. God did. All right, so this officially is the worst match we have watched in eight episodes. Yep. Done. It got a zero. All right. I feel. I feel. I feel. Yeah. That's I, good. I, I went half star originally, is why I went to Matt first because I was gonna see if he said dud. So I, I went dud as well. So yeah. All right. So uh, this match can fuck off, and we are going to jump to Saturday night, uh, the same weekend. And we're going to have a promo. So we get very few promos on this show. So it's kind of cool when we get this. So Rick Root is out with Paul and Medusa. Um, and JR tells Root he can't withstand a Scorpion Deathlock. And Sting will get his U.S. title back. Root says Sting can't get the Scorpion on him. And Sting from the ring calls out to Root. And Root kind of no-sells it and ignores him for the first few minutes. So I don't know if he didn't hear him or not. But uh, Root eventually hears him and just basically tells him to shut up. Sting says, I got two words for you. Come here, pal. Um, and then I said, oh, I guess that's <laughs> that's three. <laughs> so Sting, uh, vocabulary uh, genius and uh, mathematician. Uh, Rude heads to the ring as Paul and Medusa try to hold him back. Sting grabs Paul and Rude attacks Sting from behind, attacking the knee. Rude goes up top, but Sting catches him with a uh, punch and puts uh, Scorpion Deathlock on his crowd goes nuts. Paul tries to pull Sting off, but the jobbers come in and try to pull him off, but no dice. Faces come out and cheer Sting on to break it. Sting lets go, and then the Alliance decides to show up after the fact, which made no fucking sense. Where the fuck were they? Brute is hurt. I thought this was a cool angle here to progress the feud. JR sells the rematch for Christmas night at the Omni. So, again, really good sell for the Omni. 
Um, I really like this, but the fact that the Alliance ran out after the fact made no fucking sense to me whatsoever. So, Suze, I'll go to you first. Uh, let's see. What what did we learn here? Uh, we learned that, once again, Sting is an idiot. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 doesn't know how to count. Uh, says, I got two words for you, and then says something that has three words, and that uh, absolutely kills me. Good God almighty. Uh, yeah, but I, I thought this was really well done. It's nice to see uh, something besides a match, and that they had an actual angle on one of these shows. So that I thought that was a uh, that was a nice change of pace. Uh, I love that it took about what thirty jobbers to try and pull Sting off of Rude, and I, I thought the crowd was uh, really hot during all this, and I thought they really added to it. So uh, yeah, good stuff here. Good to see a bit of angle advance- advancement that didn't happen in a match. So yeah, good stuff. Yeah, it's unlike the other pod I do, Crock and Roll, where it's like almost all promos. It's like this pod's almost all matches, and mm-hmm. I do miss the promos in between, so the ones that we typically do see on here are pretty good, so it's good to see those thrown in once in a while. I agree with you 100%. Uh, Logan, what did you think? Yeah, the whole, I got two words for you, and the fact that he didn't say suck it really disappointed me as well, but um, <laughs> the fact that he said three words is great intentional, un- unintentional comedy. Uh, in the worst kind of way for Sting, but it was hilarious for us to watch. Uh, but other than the flub, I thought Sting looked really good here, uh, kind of take or kind of taking it to Rude and locking him in the Scorpion Deathlock. I didn't think he was going to be able to lock him in, and that's why Rude said it, because he couldn't bend his knees that far, because he's so full of steroids. But, um, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Sting looks pretty good here, which is something we haven't been able to say recently, because he's either been an idiot or looked like a fool uh, in most of what we've seen so far. Well, to be fair, he did that, too, but he also looked good after the fact. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, Schiff. Uh, I'm a self-proclaimed Sting Mart, so, like, um, he's not an idiot in my book. It was, well, he, he knew what he was doing uh, with the word play. <laughs> but uh, Rude actually has a good line, said that he doesn't have to withstand the Scorpion as he will never be put in it. And I love, like, three minutes later, he's in it. And uh, Sting putting on the Scorpion Deathlock and just holding it until, like, all these people come and makes him break it is something great. And we actually see this. uh, They redo this angle um, four years, uh, three and a half, four years later when he puts it on Flair after Flair turned on him at um, Halloween Havoc when they were having that feud. And Sting doesn't break it until Luger comes in and, like, um, makes him break it. So I like seeing, like, that, like sting like that because we see like his aggression because he's usually you know the franchise like the, the little stingers and everything and here he is being like a ferocious baby face so it's it's very nice to see and i love paulie trying to break it up but he couldn't like he put his hands over sting's neck and like sting just like shrugged him off and I, I i just loved it but yeah was the da like banging medusa or something like what the hell were they doing i don't know i like for me that makes it kind of weak is that your main head guy is in a scorpion death lock all these jobbers are trying to get him out. The faces are in there cheering him on. And then the Alliance comes out after he's already been in it. Like, if I'm reading, I'm like, where the fuck are you guys? And I'd fire. Like, I don't know what the fuck happened there. That was just weird. It's weird. So, but overall, good angle. So, I mean, I like the angle. Just that ending with the Alliance coming out after the fact, I thought was a little bizarre. All right. So, with that, we're still on Saturday night. We are going to our next match, which our third TV title match of the uh, weekend for stunning Steve Austin. I mean, if anything, you can say at least he's a fighting champion because he defends that title constantly. I wish um, he wasn't. So wish he wasn't. Um, so let's see. I mean, this is Austin versus Steamboat. I mean, this should have potential technically. Um, but unfortunately for me, it does not because the first six minutes is all headlock. Mm-hmm. Um, JR 
is still pumping a match with Austin and Scott Steiner at some point at this point. Uh, JR also says that Medusa looks nice as he's saying this as we sit in his headlock for the first six minutes. Austin eventually gets a back suplex, uh, but holds on to the headlock. JR covers the bullshit by saying Ricky is tricking Austin by not getting his usual aerial offense and sticking to the mat, which I think takes away a lot from this match for me personally. Uh, Steamboat does a variety of things for us to not hate the headlock and does a front face lock for almost two minutes, 10 minutes, but I still hate it. Austin finally escapes by lifting Steamboat up into a backbreaker. There's a suplex, a gut run suplex, a backdrop, a body slam, another backdrop, and an elbow for two, then another body slam, and an inverted atomic drop, and multiple clotheslines. Then a sleeper. JR is confused um, because he calls, uh, is it a chin lock or a sleeper? And then he eventually settles on the sleeper. Uh, Steamboat uh, does a chin drop to break it. Then a sleeper back on, and a suplex into the ring, and then it hits a back suplex. Then there's a punch off. They collide him in ring, and a ref gets knocked outside. Uh, Steamboat does a top rope, cho- top rope, top rope chop. Another ref in counts three, but Austin has his foot under the ropes. The rest converse, and the match continues long enough for Austin to dump Ricky outside for the DQ. Medusa goes to hit Ricky, but he grabs her as JR wonders if he will hit her until Austin attacks from behind. Eaten out there, they throw the ref out. They beat up on Ricky, uh, Rick Steamboat. Wyndham runs out again, and the heels beat him up. Steamboat breaks it up with a chair. Um, this match should have been way better. Uh, between half of the match being a headlock and another stupid ending on an Austin match, and honestly, me realizing, again, one of the reasons Austin hasn't resonated yet for me is he's too green, and he's almost like John Cena with his moves of doom, with suplexes, clotheslines, and body slams, and then he eventually gets the occasional stun gun. He is very formulated. Like, he has the same moves. Like, Austin moves of doom. I'm struggling, guys. I went two and a half, as I didn't think it was awful, but Again, Austin's run-up to this point has not been great for me, although I think he's a fighting champion. So I was really, really disappointed in this match, and I could probably go two and a quarter, but I went two and a half. Uh, Logan, I'll go to you first. Yeah, I kind of I kind of went two and a half on this out of, like, guilt for thinking Same. it was worse than that. Mm-hmm. Um, they had these weird, intimate stare-downs at the beginning of this uh, match, which made me think I clicked on the wrong video, if you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Lots of stalling to begin this one. Uh, my next note is maybe maybe something other than a head, side headlock will happen eventually. Um, there's a couple of nasty backbreakers to es- escape this side headlock from Austin. I thought those were pretty cool looking. Um, I, I like that Austin builds off of the backbreakers and continues to work the back. I like that part of it. Um, I like the unique way of getting out of the sleeper by Steamboat going through the ropes and kind of letting Austin's throat hit the top rope. Uh, it, this is one of those that's like a perfectly fine match, but not as good as I know that these two guys can have as they do. And, uh, 94, I think is when they have their matches in the future. Uh, I, I don't love that they had the schmaz finish. And then if you're going to restart the match that it immediately ended on a DQ, uh, <laughs> I thought that was kind of stupid, but, um, yeah, two and a half, but that was more out of guilt of, uh, giving it something lower and getting shit on. So, uh, yeah. All right, Logan around I are on the exact same page at two and a half. Uh, Schiff, what'd you think? We'll bring the shit. I'm going two and a quarter. This match was kind of boring. Yes. Um, <laughs> like, I will say I did like the part where, like, he had him in the headlock and Austin couldn't figure out how to break the headlock. I thought that was nice. But what really bothered me, and Logan brought it up, was, like, we do, like, the end thing where it looks like Steamboat, Steamboat wins, then the match restarts, and Austin just throws him over the top rope. Why not just come in and be like, 
you know, just have him do a double DQ or something. That'd be better. Well, like, why can't Austin just pin the motherfucker? I mean, that's true. You know, um, Steamboat like sold like shit, like did great on like a mat that Eaton match gave Eaton a bunch of shit. He gave Austin almost nothing, and I don't understand why Austin like Steamboat should have took the pinfall here. I don't know. And I will say when uh, Steamboat gets thrown outside, uh, Jr. says that he's thrown out of bounds, which is something I've never heard before. So like, <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck is Jr. talking about?" I thought um, I was watching the Sooners, pal. <laughs> well, I wonder if he—I wonder if that's when he was, because he did do some radio calls for the Falcons. So I wonder if that's yeah. when he was doing it that mm, that season and was just like, you know, down enough time in the day, but um. Also, I found it weird that they're still doing, like, this uh, storyline where, like, the baby face is going to hit a woman, which I know times were different in 1991, 92 area and 2022, but still, it's really uncomfortable to see where, like, they're leading up to him, like, paintbrushing her, which, you know, I know Austin used to stun women all the time, which is even worse looking back, because if you look at his arrest record, Um, but... (laughs) It's just such a weird thing that they would do for, like, babyface pops. All right, so you went two and a quarter? Yeah. All right, uh, Souza. Yeah, uh, super disappointing match. Uh, I, the opening five minutes, honestly, I thought the way they were working it, I thought they were going to a draw. Like, it was just super headlock. It was a five-minute long headlock. And usually when you see that in a WCW match, it means that a match is going to a 15-minute or a 10-minute time limit draw. So that's that's what I thought was going to happen. I do think once they got going and got away from the headlock stuff, I, I do think what they did was pretty good. Like, still not their best stuff like not even a candle can't hold a candle to like their stuff they would have in 94 but i i thought it was fine enough it had a a slow pace to it and uh yeah i'm with you guys i mean i i get what they were trying to do like i agree i agree with both sides like you know just have austin pin steamboat but i can also understand why they didn't do that because, you know, Steamboat just came back. They're kind of trying to protect him. So I get well, why we'll they did it. we'll see where they're building Steamboat to go towards, too, eventually. Right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I get why they didn't job either guy out. But, boy, the way they went about doing it was real dumb. Just have a no contest or have, you know, the Dangerous Alliance come out and then the faces come out. Just something. But, uh, yeah, so the finish was lame. But, it, to me, it kind of makes sense. So uh, I'm right there with you guys. I also went two and a half on it uh super disappointing given what these two guys are capable of in the future yeah i was hoping for a three-star match here and I, we just didn't get it here so uh logan what did that end up putting that 0.44 2.44 yeah so imagine that a steamboat austin match at a 2.44 so um to logan's point he brought up the 94 matches that are much better so very disappointing here all right with that we are going to jump to uh 1228 weekend, uh, which is the night before Starcade 91 or the day before Starcade 91. And we are going to Worldwide Wrestling and we <laughs> get another Steve Austin TV title defense against. Are you guys ready for this? No. Mike Grams. Mike fucking Grams making his return to our podcast for the TV title. And immediately I'm dreading this one. Grams looks very old here and he has no mustache. Like he looks like Vern Gagne, like mid-60s old when he's trying to win the AWA <laughs> title for the 100th time. Uh, we get the return of Sergeant Pepper uh, 
uh, cruise ship Captain Medusa wearing the same wardrobe. Um, and again, you know, it, obviously no costume changes here the uh, time they tape this show. Uh, Tony says Graham knows how to hurt people and counter wrestler. Uh, he also has a temper. And the, the other note I made after this is why do they try to sell every time they have Mike Graham's in a match, they try to sell him like he's the second coming of the greatest wrestler of all time, like he's Hulk fucking Hogan <laughs> or something. And I just don't understand. And there's so much arm work in this. Austin finally sends Graham's into the turnbuckle and drops knee to his back and atomic drop. And Graham punches him on the way down. Austin maintains control. There's an abdominal stretch. Um, and he uses a rope for leverage. Graham's later gets a drop toll hold and does an Indian death lock to Austin and works the leg. Graham rams Austin the leg post. This match several- was a death lock. Hang on. It is. <laughs> Graham, Graham rams Austin leg to post several times, puts knee in the inside of Austin's leg and chest. There's a figure four. Austin to the ropes. Graham with a suplex. Another arm hold. They roll around the ring like a bunch of fucking idiots into the ropes like some kind of alligator roll, which I don't know what the fuck they were doing here. But uh, Austin eventually gets to put his feet on the ropes for three. And again, Austin can't get a clean win against Mike fucking Graham. Way too much limb work and rest holds and Austin selling. Um, I could see some liking this one. Maybe an old school person that likes Florida freaking championship wrestling with Mike Graham. But God, I fucking hated this. I went one star. I hate Austin booking, and I wish, again, I said it on our last show, I wish, or earlier, I wish I could interview him on his thoughts about this time in his career because he's booked like shit, and he looks like shit, and I fucking hate it. I will go to you first, Shift. What did you think of this match? Uh, sorry, sorry I interrupted. I, I just I just had to go. No, you it said there. it all. It's yeah, fine. Um, first off, all. Mike Graham looks 65 years old in this match. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just boring, and, like, you know, the limb work thing, it – it's like hit or miss with me when it works. This was a big miss here. But like you said, Mike Graham, they even say like, oh, he's like, you know, going a step up because he's in the lightweight division and he's going for the TV title, which. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Like, wait, wait till he sandbags for Jushin Liger at Starcade. Like, spoiler alert, he does because he's a piece of shit. But. Um, more more, more just... like the more like the geriatric weight title he's going for. Yeah. Not the lightweight well... weight. He didn't make it that far. Um, oh, may he rest. Oh, may he rest. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jesus. This pod's never coming out. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, the estate of Mike Graham is going to cancel us. Did, did, did a million hammerlocks never drew a dime? Um, <laughs> but like Austin almost taps to a figure four. It's like, come on. Like, get, like, I'm okay with, like, you know, maybe him not being able to beat like steamboat or something, but he should be able to beat these guys and he shouldn't have to get some cradle with some foot on the ropes. I went a quarter of a star. This this was not good. And having these two matches with like, you know, him and stolen Valor champion, it's just bad. And like, you know, he only got to, you know, two and a quarter with steamboat. And it's like, yes, I know he's still young. So I, I, um, I, I'm not holding that against him, but like, it's still like this stuff is like not good. Like, if I was watching WCW in 1991, I would be like, Austin's a joke. And that's what it seems they're making him out to be. Like, he should not be the, I mean, I know he's the young boy in the Dangerous Alliance, but he should not be the whipping boy. That should be Larry fucking Z. So it's like, goddamn, what are we doing? I agree, and I'll say it again. The way they booked Eaton is polar opposite of Austin, and this is how they should be booking Austin, the way they've been doing Eaton. And Again, maybe Austin just isn't capable of hitting that level, and that's probably part of the problem for me, I guess. So, well, also, uh, Austin doesn't have that sweet Midnight Express music when he comes out. Ah, touche. All right, mm-hmm. Logan, what'd you think? 
What'd you go on that shift? Sorry, I missed you. A quarter of a star. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I couldn't do dud because it was a little bit better than the champion match. I gotcha. Yeah, I, I went with uh, I went with Sean. I went one. Uh, my first note is, why is Mike Graham? Um, this is another rest hold heavy match uh, that had me about to pass out at this point. I had watched this later on in the day, and uh, I was... Uh, Thinking, or no, I was watching this in the middle of the afternoon. I was starting to think a nap would be a good idea. So, um, yeah, I walked, watched this at probably the wrong time of the day. But um, I, at one point, there was finally an impactful move, and it just happened to be a hard whip into the corner. So that tells you where this match is going. Um, this is a little bit more of a back and forth match than a typical Austin match is, but I never want to see Mike Graham wrestle for 12 minutes ever again. And I'm still hoping and praying that there's a non-cheat clean win for Mr. Austin. So, yeah, I'll only go one. But it was it was more back and forth than most of his matches are, so I'll give it that. All right, Souza, close this match out. Uh, yeah, th- this was uh, incredibly boring. Uh, Mike Graham using his 1970s offense, which makes sense because he was probably a spry 38 in 1970. Uh, even WCW doesn't really buy into Mike Graham as a threat to Steve Austin because Graham gets the jobber entrance. He's already in the ring when, when this, when they come back from commercial. So uh, that, that kind of tells you what even WCW thinks of Mike Graham, which begs the question, why have the match in the first place? Uh, I, I did think there was one pretty good spot where uh, Austin hit an atomic drop, but as Graham was falling down, he punched Austin. I thought that was pretty good. And again, much like Logan said, how a whip into the corner was a high spot, a punch as a man was falling was also another high spot in this match. Uh, yeah, and again, we have to have Austin cheat to win. They're booking Austin like he's the fucking honky tonk man and having to steal all these fucking wins out of nowhere. It's just, it's so ridiculous. It's way too long. And Graham being treated as an equal to Austin is, uh, is borderline criminal. So, uh, I also went one star on this. Wow. So Logan, what's the grand total on that one? <laughs> Give me just a second. <laughs> Was it like a 0. 0.8666 or something like that? That would be a point eight one. <laughs> All right, point eight one. So again, one of the worst matches we have watched on this show. And I, I you know, I, I thought Susan, your comparison of the honky talk man was really good because that's really what it reminds me of. It reminds try- me of that honky talk man icy title run. That's a really mm-hmm. good comparison. I think. I'm, I'm trying to formulate a song, a honky tonk song for Austin in my head. Uh, I might have to work on that one. Share it on the next. Share it on the Starcade episode. You can do okay. that. I've got long damn hair and Zubaz pants. <laughs> no. no. I, I, I do request that we have that on the Starcade episode, Logan. So oh, geez, I have to work on it. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> I may regret that one. All <laughs> right. So also on Worldwide, we're going to our next match, which I'm going to keep my fingers crossed because it's a rematch of a match we really liked. And it was Bobby Eaton versus Ricky Steamboat. So they replay um, the Austin match versus Steamboat we talked about earlier where we saw the ending with Eaton coming out. And this is kind of a nice little follow-up there. Uh, they are also really building this man on Medusa violence a bit with Medusa and Ricky. Uh, the fight starts on the floor and the gi comes off. And this time the belt goes around Eaton's throat. Uh, this, uh, this, and again, it's the same Eaton did to him on our last uh, on, on the match that we talked about earlier. And we watched between these two. I enjoyed the gi belt work, by the way. I think Steamboat was very aggressive. Uh, Steamboat follows that up, yanking on the neck and a head scissors and right back to the network. 
Tony says that's smart. Bobby uses his neck. And then I said, Tony, I think everybody uses their neck. Like, what kind of commentary is that? <laughs> hey, it's smart because Bobby uses his neck. Those were his exact words. Betty, use my, Betty, I use my neck every day. I don't well, know about you guys. Betty followed it up discussing Bobby so using the swinging net breaker and then the leg sweep that Bobby does. So at least he followed it up. Uh, there's another head scissors and back to the network. Steamboat runs himself into a turnbuckle and Bobby does a running fist drop. Uh, Steamboat is thrown outside, then a thumb to the throat. There's a shoulder to the post. Back in the ring, Bobby works a hammerlock to arm and then went into the post. Steamboat gets hit with a nice clothesline. Then he sells it like a very drunk person walking the line in a sobriety test. Like he stands up and he's all wobbling everywhere. Uh, there's more hammerlock, but Deuce jumps around cheering on Bobby as he cheats using the ropes. Uh, Steve-O cuts back, uh, but then uh, Eaton hits his swinging net breaker. Uh, Bobby goes up top and misses an elbow. The crowd goes nuts. Uh, Bobby uh, does some turnbuckle shots, but uh, team Steamboat uh, goes up to the second turnbuckle, jumps off, and uh, he gets the double boots to the face. They drink chops and fists. Bobby does a roll-up, but Steamboat reverses it for three. Medusa again goes to kick Steamboat, and um, he gets caught, and then Austin in and gets shit beat out of him until Barry comes in and cleans house. Um, this match was different, and I know um, Logan, I know especially had a different opinion, but I really liked it. Uh, some of the limb work, yeah, I seem kind of tropey, but Bobby gets um, as much shine, if not more, than Steamboat. And again, it's the exact opposite of how they book Austin. Um, and I will say it one more time, Bobby's been very impressive. Um, and if we think about it, he had a very rough road that we talked about before joining the Alliance, like taking on freaking uh curtis hughes taking on uh johnny b bad and just having some really bad matches and i think he's totally redeemed himself um i also feel like steamboat has really gone out of his way to make bobby a legit threat um and i also love that they're building the story of medusa stuff leading to a longer story down the road um i think they've done also a nice job of making Wyndham uh returning to the ring a big deal so i went three and a quarter just like they matched they had before so um logan i'll go to you first because i know i think you might have a deferring opinion on this one versus the last one yeah, it. I, I blame it more on Steamboat. I think Eaton pulled his part uh, of things. Um, I, I did did like the beginning of the match uh, where Super's babyface Ricky Steamboat starts the match with the belt choking. I, I did like that part a little bit. Um, Steamboat needs to come up with some better like opening match offense. He just goes straight to the headlocks and he does them way, 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 way too much. Um, but uh, he gets whipped into the corner at one point and he does like the massive, the most massive oversell of it. And he just reacts like he got shot by a gun or something. Um, just way, way too many rest holds in this one. Uh, the finishing stretch is pretty good, uh, but just, it just wasn't enough to make up for the lack of action in this one for the vast majority of the match. Just a lot of rest holds, a lot of headlocks, a lot of arm locks, um, just not up to the par or the level of par that they, they set for that last match that uh, maybe you thought it was it was equal to but i went a little lower and went two and a half i still i still liked it but it just wasn't to the level of what i thought they did in earlier in the other episode yeah i get it i just think they worked a different type of match than the last match and i think it really depends on what you like in terms of you know what it, it is what it's if you like what you like i think the last one was more of a universal match that everybody could like i think this one was more of a it depends on your taste match but i enjoyed it uh uh, Susan, what do you think? Yeah, I'm kind of with Logan. Uh, it, it's a definite notch below the match we uh, watched on the last episode on Saturday night. Still good, but it, like it, it felt more like a worldwide match, right? It felt more like a match you would see on syndicated TV as opposed to a sat an episode of Saturday night. And it was still good. 
But yeah, I feel like it wasn't as heated as the last match either, which I think hurt it for me. And it is a very different match from the last one. And I think that also uh, hurt it for me. Uh, I did like the touch with Steamboat choking uh, Eaton at the beginning. I I thought that was a nice touch, a nice callback uh, to the last match. I thought Dragon selling was really well done here, you know, as per usual. Uh, Eaton at one point misses the Alabama jam that had to hurt like a son of a gun. So, uh, yeah, it it was a fun match, but I don't think it was uh, nearly as good as the uh, as the last one. So uh, I went two and three quarter on it. Okay, and Schiff. Yeah, I really liked the last match. I gave it four stars, but it it just felt like it something wasn't the same here with this. I did like how Steamboat was choking Bobby with his gi at the start because the last match Bobby was choking Steamboat with the gi. So it's a nice little like oh look like we've learned our our lesson here and everything. Um, and then, um, like, I love, like, Bobby missing the elbow drop from the top. And Steamboat missed a dive from the top. I thought that was nice. But I just felt like something was off. And I went for the last one. I'm going two and three quarters on this one. It, it just, it just, wow. I, I don't know. I just wasn't feeling it. All right. Well, I'm on the high end on this one. So, uh, Logan, what's the final tally? 2.81. 2.81. All right. So, clearly, uh, the majority uh, enjoyed the last one way better than this one. So I could get your point again. I think this one was more of a depends on what you like type of match versus the last one I think was pretty universally. Everybody could love that match. So, all right. So we're going to go to a Saturday. So that was our last match we're going to talk about for this episode. But now we're going to go to the Saturday night. Um, And again, this is a Saturday night before Starcade, which is the next night. Uh, Pretty cool stuff that happens here. So uh, we start off with an alliance interview. Uh, JR is with Paul. Paul said he vowed he would become head of the board and eliminate Sting. He says Sting is eliminated. Uh, We took his title and spirit, and he's not the man that Root is. Tell Sting to go up north and sign a contract where the demands aren't as tough, which I thought was a great line, especially for Mm -hmm. 91 WCW. Uh, Says he was the judge and Alliance was the jury. Alliance comes out and tuxes except Root, who's dressed to wrestle. Paul says the board isn't smart, so now they have to eliminate drunken plumber's son Dustin next. Uh, and then he brings up Ron Simmons with a rap sheet and what people does he represent the ones in jail, which uh, pretty off color comment for the time. Then he lists off Wyndham and Steamboat as well. And here's where this angle with Medusa seems to be leading. Root calls out Steamboat um, and how he comes awfully close to striking Medusa. And he says, Steamboat, you have been warned. Paul lists off all the faces and said the war is not over until he is on the board and a man in a white collar is standing over the grave of WCW. Then he recites some exorcist priest type shit as Alliance carries Root out on the shoulders. <laughs> Holy shit, this was great as JR calls out footage of Sting that we will see later. So an amazing promo. Again, Paul E. It just fucking as great as he is today. He's just as great as back here. I mean, with the comments about like the whole exorcist thing was great. The Ron Simmons rap sheet, um, the drunken plumber's son. Uh, I mean, this all this is just fucking great. Suze, I'll go to you first. What'd you think? Exorcist priest type shit, huh? My, you, know, you know what uh, I'm talking about. You know, like I know, I know. Exa- you yeah. know, some of us would call it Latin, but uh, no, oh. no, exorcist priest type shit. <laughs> I, I think that I think that hits it home better than Latin shit. <laughs> Good God Almighty! Uh, yeah, yeah. This was uh, this was great stuff from Paul. Uh, Paul, great promo as always. He just 
he adds so much to it. It's the right person for this type of group because, I mean, you do have decent talkers here. And, I mean, Arn is a great promo, obviously, but you, you need that guy to just drive home the point and the point that they are trying to get across. And, I mean, at this point, who better than him? At any point, really, who better than uh, Paulie? He's just he's fantastic. And the other note I made too is that uh kind of surprising to me that they're already starting up the rude and steamboat feud i don't remember it starting up this early so i i thought that was interesting to see and you know from my memory it's a long time from this point that they have their first singles match so i'm curious to see uh what they do with that so yeah great stuff here you know the other the other thing i didn't even bring up is like we just talked about this angle where Sting like hurt Rude's back. This wasn't even brought up here. It's like he knows sold it the week later. It's like it's not a big deal. It's not a thing anymore. So, um, pretty bad booking there if you if you ask me. But again, fucking amazing promo. And that again, that Sting go up north and sign a contract where demands aren't as tough. Fucking awesome. Uh, Logan, what did you think? Yeah, I thought this was really great stuff by Pauly. Uh, I li- I liked the little Latin. Thing that he went into at the end uh, or the pre-shit like you said um <laughs> i feel like rude talks at one point for just a little bit but i feel like he was supposed to threaten ricky in the middle there and he's like so, somewhere and he he forgot what he was supposed to say so he was he, he said something he just kind of says his name and then he's like and you've been warned but like he didn't yeah. warn it he didn't warn him of anything so like i, I didn't really get where he was going with that but um I I really like the promo and everything, but like all of the members of the Dangerous Alliance outside of maybe Arn and Eaton, they feel very disjointed. Like they're not on the same page or they're like not like friends or associates at all. I feel like when Rude gets taken out and kind of held up, everybody is just kind of frowning and Rude's like, why the fuck are y'all lifting me off the ground? So I, I, I don't get the like real group feel from these guys, but I thought the promo was good stuff for sure. All right, and Schiff. Yeah, I um, I love how, uh, like, Paul's great. The guy has been spinning these rhymes for over 30 years now, and he's just amazing. I love how he puts out a hit list, and it's very interesting to see what happens with this because he, he includes Ron Simmons on this. And, you know, getting ahead of ourselves, I know Ron Simmons isn't a part of it, so I guess I wonder if he gets injured again or what. But the rest of them are. Um, it's very interesting. I love Rude being carried out on their shoulders. It sh- it truly shows that he is like the you know the flair of this group, um, which you know I I agree with. Like it should be built around him. Um, but the son of a drunk plumber was awesome. Like that 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 should be used more often. Um, I just and I, do you think Paul Lee really did do that when WCW died? Like he like. He did that pre-shit, as Sean says, uh, <laughs> over the grave. Like he I would, I would hope so. I would, I would love video of that if he did, though. I would imagine he was wishing sweet death on WCW and ECW for years. So I would imagine he he probably pissed on the grave, if anything. Jesus, awesome. All right, so we're gonna go to our next segment here on Saturday night, and it is Larry Zabisco in a jobber match, and. Uh, Logan, would you like to embellish the name of this person, Jobber? Um, so I, I have it written down as uh, Scott Scandlin from uh, <laughs> Beverly Hills 90210, but his name was actually Scott Sandlin. But uh, my, my notes will further get into the what why I named him Scott Scandlin. So 
good. All right. Um, oh, sir, are you going to talk about the reason why and the whole concept of that character from 90210 when we get to you? We're not going to do yes, that Yes, right I, I, I will. Absolutely. All I'm right, because I only call him a jobber prelim bum, so you got you to gotta make sure you add embellishment on that when we get to you, okay? Okay. All right, so the Crutcher is out for his prelim match with Medusa, who at this point is rated the 80s hairspray and 20 years past her prime 80s milk fair. <laughs> Oh, come on, 80s milfware. That was good, guys. Come on. All right? You might have not heard that. Uh, Paul is on commentary to discuss what the Alliance did to Sting, and then he repeats what he said in his earlier promo. Larry stomps the jobber's hand because he's the cruncher, you see. Uh, Medusa kicks the jobber outside. Jobber gets his shoulder to the post. There's a hammer lock around the barricade. Paul says Larry likes doing this. As JR says he will get his comeuppance from Wyndham. Paul shits on Wyndham. Larry works on the arm to sell how crushing he is. Uh, he gets euf euphoria by hearing bones break, according to Paul, as he did it to San Martino, Bach, Winkle, and Wyndham. Uh, and I thought that was really great legacy commentary here from Paul selling Larry's history, which I thought was really good. Larry hits a brain buster, compressing his vertebrae, um, and the match is done as medical attention is needed. They help the jobber out of the ring, but Larry attacks him outside. JR says something must be done about Paul and his organization. So JR, again, loving that organization term. <laughs> uh, and maybe at Starcade, he hopes that'll happen. The jobber is carried out on a stretcher. Good stuff here to sell Larry, regardless of personal feels and how much he sucks in the ring. This was a really good thing that was done to get the cruncher gimmick across. So Logan, I will go to you first so you can add some context on the jobber. <laughs> I thought Larry looked actually really good here, but um, it's nice to, nice to see uh, good old Scott Scanlon from uh, Beverly Hills 902 and 0 didn't actually off himself, and he just left the show to become a wrestler. So uh, it's really good to see that. Um, of course, Larry is the guy that finally uh, got to dominate in a match, and uh, you know, of all the people in the Dangerous Alliance to actually dominate a match, of course, it's Larry. Um, and there was a gross brain buster after the match, so maybe he is actually brain dead after all. Um, but, uh, Larry, uh, might make, might take most dangerous, uh, on this episode for his little post-match attack where he knocked over the damn, uh, stretcher. So, uh, yeah, good stuff, uh, here from the, the, the cruncher. Hey, hey, Logan, I think you should pot, you should like plug a podcast and then talk, people might not know who Scott, who Scott is. Oh, okay. And also, so and also plug the podcast while you're at it. <laughs> So, uh, Mr. Mr. Scott Scanlon is from Beverly Hills 90210, and there is a podcast called 90210 So, uh, where there will be an episode in the future where he may uh, have an accident twirling a gun, I'll say. At a 16-year-old birthday party where he's wearing a cowboy hat. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. All right. So, yes, go please listen to 90210 So. It's on its own feed. So, uh, very, very good show. And I believe the majority of us – hey, Matt, Susan, have you been on that show? I have not. Do you watch 90210? I've seen a couple episodes. All right. Well, Matt, why Matt go fucks himself, Logan, me, and Schiff are on that show, so please go listen to it. I'll just go fuck myself then. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, and Matt, with that, I will go to you and say, uh, what did you think of this Sabisco? Wait, I'm not done fucking myself. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Olivia Medusa John out here with Larry Zabisco. I thought that was ah uh, <laughs> yes, amazing. That was very good. Very good. <laughs> that was uh, that was quite a touch there. Uh, the jobber also had a glorious mane along with Medusa. So uh, yeah, so 
Uh, Paul on commentary. I thought he was great again, as he usually is. Uh, Larry just fucking murdered this poor bastard. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was a dominant squash. The jobber got absolutely no offense in. Uh, it was it was a long squash, but I thought Larry actually looked uh, pretty good, except for the spin kick he does, which always looks absolutely terrible. So yeah, this was fine enough. I I went one star because it was a a fairly standard squash here. Oh, I didn't rate the I didn't rate the match. I thought it was more angle, but it was great. And by the way, I like the Larry spin kick. I think it's one of the few things he does well. <laughs> it, I feel like he breaks his hips every time he does it. Yeah, but like think about his grandfather. Like when I see yeah. him do it, I think like like a, like a great grandfather doing a spin kick, and it pops a me every time. A great grandfather shouldn't do a spin kick. That's the problem. Exactly. That's why it's funny. <laughs> oh, is it funny? Yes, it's funny, but it looks horrible. All right, well, if you say so, uh, Schiff. Um, so Medusa is the director of covert operations. <laughs> what do you think yes. the covert operations are? Like getting into Paulie's pants or? Schiff, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Where are we going with that? What are we um, Wait, I mean... Schiff crossed the line? He didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out where. Yeah, I talked about somebody on. being brain dead. I think I right. went further. <laughs> no, I know, but I'm trying to figure out where he worked in her getting in Polly's pants. That that was okay. Go yeah. ahead. Chef. Well, Jr. Uh, said that. Ladies you know, Paul, and gentlemen, Polly said that Medusa's director of covert operations, like because they were like because they were going back and forth on commentary, and Medusa said something to the camera. I couldn't make it out. I did um, did it three times, and, but she sounded coked out of her mind. Uh, they do try to plug Larry versus El Gigante in a couple of weeks. Oh God! And, uh, <laughs> oh, that's like, right. Ah, I, fuck! I missed that. I said, "Oh, I what want, a shame!" I want to see that. Um, oh, don't worry. Oh, I know. RK9, I know. We're gonna see it. Ninety one's coming. I know. It's amazing. <laughs> um, I got Larry wins by submission. Uh, half a star. All right. So our final segment of the night. Um, on Saturday night here on 122891. Uh, and you heard it referenced several times about Sting being done, and then they're going to, so they take us back to an interview. And JR is standing with Marcus Alexander Bagwell after his match. And we talked about Marcus had actually debuted um, on 1214. Uh, do you guys remember uh, who Marcus Bagwell was prior to debuting in WCW? Anybody? And some stranger for GFW. Uh, it was actually, uh, was it Global Wrestling Federation? That is correct. So he was a handsome stranger. Um, so, yes, yeah, so here he is. Uh, Bagwell is really excited to be here. And Paul Lee shows up and says, unlike WCW, the Dangerous Alliance is all about equal opportunity. And then he praises Austin as a TV champ. And Austin, out of the kindness of his heart, wants to give Bagwell a shot at the title next week because he feels Bagwell is a great competitor. Bagwell, in all his brilliance, says he is appreciative and says thank you, but he's not ready for that yet. Paul says they make offers people can't refuse. He says there are two kinds of breaks. The break Austin just offered him or the break with a broken bone and he holds up a cast, which seems pretty random. Like, he just walks out with a cast. It's very random. Then Paul chastises Bagwell mommy um, and, uh, and daddy for telling him to stay away from success so he doesn't run with the big boys, which was a great line. Stay away from success. Marcus says that Paul is out of line, has nothing to do with his parents. Uh, and by the way, he says, Grands and Dusty have been training me. And he brings up Sting, and Paul freaks out. 
pissed off he's listening to Sting when he's offering Bagwell the opportunity of a lifetime. Uh, he calls him a prepubescent punk and gets in his face. Uh, and then he uh, knocks Bagwell in the head, and Bagwell hauls off and punches him. The Elias tax and force beating the shit out of Bagwell um, as a crowd ch- chance for Sting. Uh, they go to handcuffs on him, and Sting runs out fighting off all the Alliance. Rude finally runs in, and Rude awakening him is on the stage. They handcuff Sting to the railing, and they beat him up with the cast. Um, and then I also like they pan out during this to a bunch of worried kids who look like they're about to cry. Rude then beats Bagwell with the cast as Wyndham runs out, and you fade out as JR saying, we hope to see Sting at Starcade." Really, really good shit here. I actually like them kind of hot-shotting Bagwell in because it gives him another added baby face. Uh, to be part of this whole alliance thing. Um, it also continues the Root Sting feud, and Paul, again, at his greatness, and the Dangerous Alliance being badass. Really good addition to Saturday Night here, and again, we didn't even have a match. It was more angle, it was more promo, and I feel like that's kind of what we missed along the way. This was really, really good. Overall, a really good, solid week of WCW TV for the Alliance as well, with the exception of maybe Austin due to his shitty booking. And I will go to you first, Logan. What did you think of this? Uh, yeah, just another killer promo by... Uh... Polly here. I thought Bagwell sounded like an absolute dumbass saying, oh, no, I'll skip a title shot. I'm not quite ready for that yet. Well, just it doesn't matter if you're ready for it. Maybe you can sneak a win and you can win your t- first title on your like second or third week in here. I just thought he sounded like a moron. But uh, I like the whole brawl that in uh, that happened at the end. <laughs> the whole big fake leg cast was really random, uh, as you said. Uh, but I, they did. They used it well. And he <laughs> just beat the absolute piss out of Sting uh, at the end with it. So. Um, I thought this was a really good segment and another killer p- promo by Paulie. All right. Awesome. Uh, Schiff. Uh, Bagwell sounded like a complete hick. He sounded like AJ Styles at first. A little bit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, I'm sure AJ would appreciate you saying that, by the way. Oh, well, he can sail off the flat earth with that bitch ass Kyrie Irving. Anyway. Oh. Um, oh. Um, so like, it's just dumb that Bagwell would be like, no, I don't want the title shot when he's given him a week to prepare. Like, it's it just dumb. It makes him look like a dumbass. Like, Souza talks about Sting being a dumbass babyface. Bagwell looks like a more dumb ba- babyface with turning down a title shot. Um, I did like how when Bagwell put his hands on Polly, that's when the DA swarmed. They were kind of dressed like the horsemen there. I don't know if you got that, if you guys noticed. Like, they were, like, in uh, Well, they were also dressed like they were for prom because they had cummerbunds on and shit. So, I, I don't know what they're doing. Probably <laughs> should keep some of those wrestlers away from prom. But, um... I do love when Sting ran out and like the DA just overruns him. And I love that uh, they um, handcuffed Sting to the railing and was beating him with the cast. And you can see pieces of like the cast just flying up in the air. And I even have here that the kids are shook um, as well, Sean. And like Rude like spits on Sting to like put an exclamation point on Yeah, him. I forgot and the catch just did. I forgot that. Yeah, it was and, really awesome. And it just seems like with these past two angles with that, like that we're heating up with this. So it's very, um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's interesting. They're starting that whole steamboat thing earlier, and now they're right back to Sting again, which, again, is, again, this whole rude Sting, whatever they're doing, is really, really working great. Susan, what'd you think? But but, but also, Sean, sorry, okay. sorry. Um, you, we'll see in the next episode that we sort of pivot away from Sting and Rude and go more to Steamboat and Rude in what takes place during the Battle Royal. We do, yes, we will. And I know Susan's looking very much forward to our next episode. But Susan, what did you think of this? Oh, yeah. Uh, can't wait. Uh, is every fucking baby face in this company a complete and utter moron? Yes. Good. The answer take, is yes. 
Good fucking Christ. Take the title shot, you idiot. You've only been here for a couple of weeks. Well, that's all the more fucking reason to take the title shot that's being given to you, you dumb shit. Good Lord. Uh, He came across like such a fucking moron. He's not book smart or street smart because then, you know, you should know that the Dangerous Alliance is probably going to kick your ass if you say no. So he says no anyway. And wouldn't you know, they kick his ass and beat him down with a cast. Just he he looked like a fucking idiot right out of the get go. But I mean, besides that, this was a great segment. I mean, they just fucking pummel Bagwell and sting with the cast uh sean you mean to tell me you don't walk around with a cast everywhere i I thought that was the most random thing ever for like uh like you're gonna go yeah there's two kind of breaks the one i'm austin's gonna give you and the one i'm holding with this random cast i just decided to bring with me to the taping that just seemed odd to me i don't know so that what that wasn't the style of the time if if 1991 was walking around with a cast somewhere Oh, weird. I guess I, I I was very young. I didn't know. So, uh, but yeah, this this was a fantastic segment. Uh, more of this, please, because uh, I think we've we've all agreed, and I think we've even mentioned it that we need more angles instead of just matches, and especially if they're angles like this. Like this was really well done, despite Bagwell looking like a fucking imbecile. Uh, this was really well done. Yeah, that's the one. Like I said, in this era, it's a lot more matches than it is stuff like this, and. Sign me up for more stuff like this. One, it's easier to take the notes on and talk about than it is the matches, but they're better than a lot of the matches. So just good, good stuff. So that closes us out for this episode. Uh, our next episode, obviously, will be Starcade 91. Uh, there's a lot of deferring opinions on that. And just like he did on Clash of the Champions, Jacob Williams will join us for uh, Starcade. So we look forward to having Jake on. All right, so let's go through our awards. Uh most dangerous. Um, I got to go with Paul Lee. Two freaking awesome back-to-back promos. Um, I, you know, it's hard because I, I kind of want to go with Larry, but I'm going to go with Paul Lee because he's, he was on commentary for that Larry match, and he's done two killer promos on a Saturday night. For me, it's going to be Paul Lee. Uh, Logan, what do you think? Yeah, just for the uh, promos alone, I, I would go Paul Lee. But Larry, Larry gets a, like a honorable mention, I guess I'll say. But yeah, Paul Lee for sure. All right, uh, Souza. See, I I actually debated going Bobby again, but I I, ended I did up too. Go- I did. I too. ended up going with uh, Paulie here. All right, and Schiff. I'm sorry to break away from you guys, but I am going with uh, Rude. Yes, he got beat up by Sting, but it you know poured gasoline on the angle. Then he had the uh, promo where it clearly states he is the head of the Dangerous Alliance, and he called out. Uh, Steamboat, and then at the end, he beats the piss out of WWE's franchise number one babyface. I get that, but one of the reasons why I wouldn't pick Root is because there was zero follow-up to that angle with Sting where he got injured and he was in the Scorpion Deathlock. They just blew by it and no-sold it. So, But I guess majority rules, so I guess technically Paul Lee wins it. Yeah. All right, so that puts Paul Lee at three, and now he's clearly the most dangerous after eight episodes, right, Logan? Um, yes. Yeah. All right. Eden has two, but he has, he has, uh, three. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, least dangerous, uh, no ifs, ands, or buts. Steve Austin wins again for me, hands down. Mm -hmm. Logan? Uh, yeah. It's gotta be Austin. God damn it, man. Uh, Schiff? Austin. Not even close this episode. Souza? Yeah. 100%. All right. Um, best. So, uh, how many times has he lost now? Five times? Logan? Uh, that is that is at least four. I think it may be five, though. Let me double check. Wow. Go to the Jesus. 
who would have thought coming to this podcast that Austin would I, like? I never would have remembered that. Right. Like, never ever in a million years would I remember that. All right. He's uh, at four. He's at four. So. Never would I have thought that. Um. All right. Uh. Best match for me. Uh. The six man tag with Steamboat Rhodes and Pillman versus the Enforcers and Eaton. Uh. Souza. Yep. Same. All right. Uh. Ship. I'm sorry. What was the question? Best match. Best match. Best match. Best match. Sorry, I was looking at my other stuff. Um. It's always the end. Uh, I'm going with the six man. Would you, Would you like to do plugs while you're doing this? No, I'm going with I'm going with the six man. That's the one I the highest I gave. Would you like to Would you like to phone a friend? Uh, yeah, ask the hey, audience? hey, hey, Schiff, thanks for listening. Uh, Logan, sorry, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Scott Scanlon re- reclaiming his life uh, from losing. I'm just kidding. I'm just playing six, six man for sure. <laughs> you know what? You could almost convince me to do that one. Actually, <laughs> that's amazing. All right, uh, worst match. Um, I mean, we gave a dud a uh, whole uh-huh. dud, so Wait, oh, I'm sorry. One. That match seemed so three years ago. Yes, <laughs> it has to be Austin versus champion. Yeah, it's awesome. But, like, that's what got me screwed up because, like, I had a flashback, and I was like, oh, like, oh. This, so. <laughs> yeah, Austin versus champion. It was horrible. Boy, you have brought the goods at the end of the shows the last two episodes, Shift. You're you're definitely a pod highlight for me. Bless your heart, man. I love you. Bless your heart. Thank you. All right. I know, um, what, it means. I know what it means. On a scale of one to five, uh, Schiff, uh, where do you rate this in the alliance journey? I'm going to go pretty high, even though outside the shitty Austin um, matches. I'm going 3.75. Um, you could even talk oh, me even into a we, four. I didn't even know we could do 3.75, but I'll go with that. That's fair. Uh, yeah, I'm going 3.75. Like it, the promos alone were great. Um, if Austin can get some good, good uh, opponents, but yeah, I, I'm really, I'm really digging because the battle line is drawn. They have a hit list now, and they specifically like we figured out who it was, but, they, but Paulie specifically stated. So Simmons has to watch out. Steamboat. Rhodes, Wyndham, and Sting. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of with you. And what's interesting is the rating really hinges on this Saturday night and not really about the matches, but more about the promos. Yes, the matches are selling the Steamboat Rude thing that's coming up with Medusa. Yes, the matches uh, build up the Barry Wyndham return. But this Saturday night that we just talked about, for me, really sets things in stone in terms of where we're going with the Alliance. And I think I'll go with you. I think I'll go 3.75, and it's all hinged on those three last three things we talked about. Suze, I'll go to you. What did you think? Yeah, uh, I was going to go three and a half. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, the promos really put it over the top for me. The matches, uh, save for Austin and Suck Shit Champion, were pretty decent enough, too, So uh, and, and Austin Graham. But I, I, I think the promos are what really uh, set it off for me with, you know, Heyman spouting his uh, – exorcism thing or whatever it was sean said <laughs> so uh yeah i'll go three and a half but but before you go to logan but one thing that i noticed that i know we were watching just uh, matches on everything but like we would see some stuff about starcade but like jr is not talking about it and we know mm-hmm. they go and do like post-production with that but like he's like he would mention it every once in a while he's like the dangerous alliance has five wrestlers you know they have a chance to, of um being against yeah. each other, but we just haven't seen a lot of promotion for that. And it seems like the promotion, like no, 
some mention of Luger, but it seems like, you know, the DA is starting to become the focal point of the company. They are. You don't hear much about Luger. And what's interesting, Mike, the last part of that angle is uh, JR goes, well, I hope I hope we see Sting at Starcade to kind of sell, well, is it going to be there or not? Which, again, we're going to talk about it. But again, another angle that kind of falls like a freaking wet church because there's no follow-up. So we'll talk about that on the next episode. Uh, Logan, what do you think? Uh, exorcist, exorcist priest shit is what he said. Um, thank you. Yes, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Um, but I was going to go lower, but uh, y'all kind of convinced me. I'll go three and a half just because the promos were so awesome uh, by Polly and just all this, all the promo stuff that happened and everything that happened around it. Uh, I thought the Larry squash was pretty solid, all things considered. Um, but the rest of the matches hinged from like disappointing. The six man was good as well, but all the rest of them were either really bad or just disappointing overall for me. So I would probably have gone a little higher if a couple more of the matches had been a little bit more, uh, I, I didn't even passable even, I guess is what I'll say, but a lot of them were kind of crap or, and or disappointing. So, but, uh, I'll, I'll go three and a half with Matt. Yeah. And by the way, the quarter star, you know what? Again, I don't want to undersell it. The Larry stuff was really, really good. <laughs> and so that would probably equate, again, another storyline advancement because of the storyline of him as the cruncher. So that's another one you could add to it. So I think it was a really good progression tonight. So, all right. So we're clearly not going to do plugs tonight because Shift can't handle it. Um, <laughs> so Can we just that, skip him? <laughs> no. I mean, listen, here's what I'll say. Go listen to all the pods on the North-South Bee. Go listen to all the pods on Place to Be Nation because... Honestly, uh, we are the majority of those pods, but you also got great stuff with some other talent on there too. Lots of WCW content. Let me just leave it at that. You know, we got the Monday Night War with Chad and JT. Uh, we got Talking WCW with uh, Jimmy and Tim. So you can get your WCW fill between the two uh, pods. Oh yeah, mine, NWA Crack and Roll. How, how dare I forget that? But anyway, uh, we will see you next month. Our guest will be Jacob Williams, where we will talk Star K91. Uh, we will see all Alliance members in action, and we will also get the Battle Bowl, uh, which we'll get to talk about, which has some pretty interesting matchups in it that I don't recall happening, uh, and some that I wish had not happened. So um, with that, uh, thank you, Matt. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Logan. We will see you all in two weeks to talk Starcade 1991. I'm taking-